Excellent. Whoa. Thank you for that reading, Caroline. You know, morning, and I'll add my welcome to you all as well. Um, we've all got priorities and concerns, but worry is a bit more than just being concerned about something. Worrying is when concerns start to eat away at us and we feel anxious or troubled about something. And if you want to know what that's like, come here at 20 past 10 as Adam is coordinating all this technology happening at once and just see worry and concerns fading away. Most of us, I think it's fair to say, worry at some point in life, whether that be a passing moment or an onslaught over time. Worry can be contagious and left unchecked, it can be a cancer that eats away at us and destroys our confidence, our well-being, our mental and our physical health. And for Christians, worry can damage our faith. It can cause us to wonder whether God can deal with our situation. It can rob us of joy as our energy is spent imagining all the things that might go wrong. And it can destroy our hope if we worry about one potential problem after another. This is never going to end, we might think. And our reading tells us how futile worry is. Jesus says, can any one of you add an hour to your life by worrying? So if it doesn't help us, but most of us do it, how are we supposed to respond to worry? Well, before we look at what the Bible says, here are some common responses from Disney. Think of it, Hakuna Matata, what a wonderful phrase. Hakuna Matata, ain't no passing craze. It means no worries for the rest of my days. It's my philosophy, Hakuna Matata. That idea that Timon and Pumbaa say to Simba in The Lion King, don't worry, it doesn't matter. I mean, Simba has lost his friends, he's lost his family, he's lost his home, he's lost his purpose in life, but oh, it doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. Now, maybe you're not a Lion King fan, but another common approach and guidance that I'm sure you've all been told at times is to let it go, let it go. I'm not holding back anymore. Let it go, let it go. Turn away and slam the door. I don't care what the, you know. Thank you. The cold never bothered me anyway. As Elsa storms off into the dark night, running away from her life in anger, I don't care what they're going to say. She captures that sense of, don't worry about them. What do they matter? They're not worth it. That rejection approach. She's angry and she's hurt and she's telling herself, I don't need to worry about them. What do they know anyway? So if uh, Hakuna Matara is, don't worry about it, it doesn't matter. Let it go is, don't worry about it, they don't matter. And the third typical approach which I'm sure is famous and you've, uh, you've come across it now, is uh, don't worry, be happy now. Do, 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 do. 
don't worry, etc. Um, be happy, which is used, it's not used in a Disney movie, sorry, apologies, but it is used in the movie Flushed Away, where Roddy the Rat's life is literally flushed down the drain. And he meets some passing slugs who tell him, hey Roddy, don't worry about it, just be happy, think positive thoughts, it's all gonna be okay. And that idea of focus on the positives and be happy and all your worries will fade away, whether that be through positive thinking, meditation, yoga, or the current favorite of mindfulness. If you just focus enough energy and concentrate, your worries will disappear. Now, I hope you'll forgive me having a, a little bit of uh, fun with these ideas. All of these responses come from a good place, and there is something helpful to them. After all, some of the things that have happened to us really don't matter, and some situations are not worth it, and some personal practices are really helpful in changing our state of mind. But there are also some fundamental failings in these approaches. See, many of the things we worry about do matter to us. Otherwise, we wouldn't be worrying about them. If we've been hurt, maybe we've had a relationship that has broken down. And we want to wallow in that sense of, they don't deserve you. Well, we rarely feel better in the long run by putting others down. And the whole... Uh, be happy, be positive approach. I have a real problem with that because that puts us at the center of things and creates this idea that you can solve all of your problems. The answers are all within you. And that often leads to disappointment because I, I don't feel we can make ourselves right on our own and through our own effort. I just don't think it works. So these three approaches of it doesn't matter, they don't matter, and be positive are helpful in a way, but they don't fully work. So what does? And that brings us on to Jesus' teaching. Hakuna Matata, it doesn't matter. Jesus tells us that our Heavenly Father knows what we need. The Lord God, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving, knows exactly what we need. Not in a generalistic kind of sweeping fashion, but he knows what Leslie needs. He knows what Paul needs. He knows what Mark needs. He knows what Ali and Alfie need at their different stages in life. And God knows that the things that we need matter to us because he made us. But the message from Jesus here is that focusing on them isn't going to help. We may be worried about what we'll eat or drink or wear, but God is our creator. And he knows what we need. God is our sustainer, and he has been providing for us from the very beginning. If you think right back to the story of creation in the Garden of Eden, God created a garden with a river running through it and trees for food, and it was perfect. And then he created humanity. 
He created the perfect environment for us and provided for us before we even existed. He knows us better than we will ever know ourselves. So it is no worries, but not because things don't matter. It's because he knows it's important and he's got it covered. And what about Elsa's let it go? Don't worry about them. They don't matter. Well, Jesus is not in the habit of putting other people down. Our reading doesn't have Jesus saying, look at the birds. They're rubbish. What do they know about planting and reaping? God's going to deal with them. Or the flowers. He doesn't say, oh, they're rubbish. They'll be dead in six weeks. Forget about it. He says that they are created by God. And he is full of praise about how wonderful the birds and the flowers are. And then he puts that into context and says, God knows everything and provides everything for them. And yet he loves you so much more than you can ever imagine. God cares about you more than all of these other things. So in one sense, We can let it go because you are far more important to him than anything else. And finally, that idea of don't worry, be happy. Put on a brave face and smile. I am so happy to tell you this morning with 100% certainty, and I very rarely say that, that God does not want you to try to be happy. God does not want you to put on a brave face, think positive thoughts, and smile your way to salvation. God wants honesty, openness, vulnerability. But he does want you to be happy. And that's where Jesus shows us where happiness comes from. By seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. And that is highlighted by the context of our reading today. I don't know about you, but I I mean, I've probably read this reading literally hundreds of times over my life as a Christian. And sometimes I think we get a bit familiar with stuff and we miss out the, the original context. And sometimes that adds a little bit to it. So remember here, when Jesus is saying this, he's speaking to a people living under fear of an occupying power. Poor people struggling to survive. At a time in history when the life expectancy was around 35 to 40 years old, and a third of all children born died before they were one year old. And the Roman Empire had destroyed thousands of Judean villages and slaughtered all the people in them. To those people, Jesus is saying, Don't worry about your life. Seek his kingdom. And I don't know about you, but when I think of it in that context, I think it's pretty shocking. Don't worry about your life. To the widow who has been robbed of hope when her husband died and now has mouths to feed and no way to earn a living. Don't worry about your life and what you'll eat or drink to the orphaned child begging for scraps. When you see it in context, 
you realize how radical the call is to be different, to be transformed, to let God's kingdom be established in our hearts, in our lives. Transformation from worries to peace happens when God's kingdom is established in our hearts. And Jesus says it here. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of these things will be given to you. Now, I just want to clarify, that's not a promise of prosperity. That's not seek first God's kingdom and you will get your dream car, your dream house, your dream job, your dream situation. Some people interpret it that way. And I just want to be clear, that's, that's wrong. That's not the right way to think of this. It's just a statement about when you get God in the right place, the other things fall into place. So Jesus is helping us here to get a bigger view of God. He's not saying, forget about that stuff, it doesn't matter. He's saying, yes, I know, but focus on God the creator and it will all fall into place. Look for the giver, not the gift. So Jesus is asking us to get a bigger view of of life, of God. Don't miss out on God because you're down in all the details. If you focus down in the details, you're going to miss the beauty of what's around you. I want you to uh, imagine something for a moment. If you're watching at home and you've got a pen to hand, then you can actually try and do this. You know, pick up a pen. If you've got a piece of paper, that helps. But if not, you can just write on your hand. And uh, I want you to imagine your your hand. You might want to stop looking at me for a moment or look down at your hand. And you imagine that you've got a hand. and, And I want you to imagine drawing a circle in your hand, which represents your view of your life. And then imagine that you draw some splodges in the circle that represent the worries that you've got. Worry splodges, whatever they might be for you. Now, if we focus our energy and our, yeah, our resources on the worry splodges, then we get more of them, they get bigger, and pretty soon, our whole circle of life, another Disney theme there, our whole circle of life gets full of these worry splodges. And what Jesus is asking us to do is to put down the pen, to step back from the circle, and to see your life as he sees it. It's more than just the sheet of paper, more than just the unused space. It's the room where you're in, the house where your room is, the world with your house in it, all of creation with our world in it. And right now, all of his creation is working to help you is working to help you put down the pen, step back and look beyond the splodges to get a bigger view of God. 
And if you've drawn in your own hand, that's fantastic because it's a great reminder that your life is held in the hand of a ever-loving, ever-powerful God. So if you are pent up with worrying about things and think, you need to tell God what's going on, then I encourage you to take a step back, take a deep breath, and ask God for a bigger view. Because he knows exactly what you need. And if you're worrying about how am I going to get all the things that I really need, take a step back and ask God for a bigger view. Because he establishes, provides for, and sustains everything that will ever exist. And he's got it and you 100% covered. And if you're thinking, the only way I can be happy is by doing this or that or whatever it is, then just pause for a moment. Breathe in. Breathe out and experience the miracle that is your life. Put your hand on your heart and notice God's love beating within you. God's love for you started before your heart started beating. And it will continue long after your heart stops beating. It's a never-ending love story. The the source of everlasting joy. So do take time to get a bigger view. Because God is the source of everything. And the source of all joy and love. So what we're going to do is we're going to respond to this, if that's okay. And... um, give you an opportunity to bring your worries to God and to ask God for a bigger vision, uh, an outpouring of peace in your situation. And the band are going to come up and they're going to lead us in a moment into our final song, which is, God, I look to you. And as they're playing that song, just allow God's space to wash over you. Allow yourself to take a moment and, uh, and invite God into your worries. We've got Alfie at the start of his life. We've got Ali further on in his life. People have got different worries. And to help us get into that, I've got a short video here uh, that people, where people have shared some of their worries. Uh, and I want to thank them for their honesty and their openness. It takes courage to be honest about what you're worried about in a group like this. So um, it's there as a chance for us to think about the things that we're worrying about. And then we're going to go into this final song of worship and just let the words wash over you as you receive God's peace and transformation. So let's go. about not being good enough, not being good enough for my job, not being good enough for my kids, not being good enough partner, not being good enough Christian, uh, just not being good enough. The process of divorce and the financial settlement, yeah, and possibly just old age, um, just a little bit frightened of what that might mean. I want to trust God. 
but I find myself regularly worrying about my work, about situations I've got to face, presentations to give, meetings where I need to perform. I worry about climate change, about the effect that our actions are having on our planet and what it'll be like for our children in years to come. I worry about most things, about my job, about my family, about my health. I worry when I don't worry, in that if I've got nothing to worry about, I worry that there's something that I need to worry about. I worry about work, my kids and my family in South Africa. I worry about uh, connecting with my children, expanding their horizons and how to get them to put wrappers in the bin. Something that I worry about a lot is the the level of division in our society and just how angry people are. And particularly as we move out of coronavirus, um, just that we seem to be moving into more and more of a divided society. I worry about not being good enough, whether as a father or a husband or at work. I worry about my family, especially the kids and the wider family. And I worry about a bunch of things during the day that I should probably not worry about and just get on with. I do worry about growing older. I, want, I worry about loneliness and isolation and who will be able to care for me or visit me. I worry about just being totally on my own. And I worry about losing those who are close to me. I worry about my children's future. What they'll do when they leave home. Will they be able to cope on their own? My son. I'm a bit of a warrior.